Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Please welcome to the show to celebrate our and kick off Women's Month, Miss Claire Trevor. Miss Claire Trevor started her career out in 1929 until getting her big Hollywood break in the late 30s. Appearing after graduating from high school on Broadway, appearing in many shows on in the theater before getting her big Hollywood break. Miss Claire Trevor has starred in many movies such as The Mad Game. Baby Takes the Bow, Career Woman, Dead End, and The Woman of my ta- of the Town. But what Miss Claire Trevor is best known for is her two best performances in a movie. The first one is Murder My Sweet, and the second one, which she won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1948, starring as Gay Don in Key Largo. Miss Claire Trevor went on to appear in many movies and TV shows. Until her last performance in 1987 in Murder She Wrote. After that, Miss Claire Trevor retired from acting altogether until her death in 2000. Even though Miss Claire Trevor has been gone for 23 years, her memory and legacy live on in her films, TV shows, and performances as she spent six decades in the film and Hollywood industry. But what a lot of people may not know is that Miss Claire Trevor also appeared behind the microphone, appearing in many shows such as Lux Radio Theater, Suspense, The Whistler, and many others. And this morning, she reenacts three of her best performances on Suspense. In this first episode, she plays a woman who has made a device in her husband's mistress's apartment and tries her best to get out of the apartment before the
explosion happens. And it is a tale about deception and murder. And it is called The Light Switch. And in the second episode, Miss Claire Trevor plays another woman who is in an interrogation room telling her story about what happened to her and why she ended up in the interrogation room at the police station when her husband and her by trying to get her husband out of a jam that he put himself in a long time ago and it is called the plan and in this last episode which you may have heard on a tale of two the tale of two sisters my third episode and if you haven't I'd recommend going back and listening to that episode because it has three stories but it has five actresses starring in that episode in this episode Miss Claire Trevor plays the role of a big sister who has made her little sister a promise on their mother's deathbed when Clara ends up growing up she gets married and her and her husband have a child and they live their lives while her little sister Adele is still stuck in the past and grows older while her and her husband stay young because Adele feels like she has nobody without her sister Clara to be there by her side and it is called A Tale of Two Sisters starring as Adele is Miss Nancy Kelly I hope you guys enjoy Miss Claire Trevor and her performance on the show this morning. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. And I want to once again thank everyone who has listened and subscribed to my podcast. And always remember, guys, to enjoy the show. Thanks. Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present... Suspense! Tonight, Autolite brings you Academy Award winner, Miss Claire Trevor in The Light Switch, a suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leder. 
Friends, it's the Peanuts popcorn and baseball season. And the time to replace worn-out narrow-gap spark plugs with a set of those revolutionary new wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs. You'll get smooth idling, more positive firing on leaner gas mixtures, actually saving on gas. Yes, these winning benefits are all made possible by a newly developed 10,000-ohm resistor built right into every Autolite resistor spark plug. This exclusive Autolite resistor makes practical a wider spark gap setting. And that's what does the trick. What's more, Autolite resistor spark plugs with this exclusive Autolite resistor cut down on radio and television interference. So, folks, see your Autolite dealer and have him replace old, worn-out, narrow-gap spark plugs with a set of the new Autolite resistor spark plugs. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. And now, Autolite presents Claire Trevor in a tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspend! Every window was locked now. Every jet of gas was on full. There was nothing impulsive left in me. My actions were purely mechanical. I moved as if guided by a subconscious force. I selected a light fixture near the door, tapped the globe with an ashtray until it broke and the glass fell to my feet. For an instant, the naked little wires that had made up the filament seemed to hypnotize me. At 7.30, when he switches on the lights... Those tiny wires will cause the spark that'll blow everything I despise in the world out of my life. Everything I despise, everything I loathe, and yet everything I love. The gas in the little room was beginning to make my eyes smart, and I realized I had to get out of there. I started to open the door when something told me to stop. (coughs) It was lucky. I pressed my ear against the panel. I could hear voices outside. People were talking in the hall. I'd have to wait. Wait. Couldn't get panicky. Just had to wait, that was all. I I thought of shutting off the gas, but they'd be gone in a second. Seconds. It seemed like hours before the voices finally died away. I heard a hall door shut behind them. Now I had to be fast. The gas was beginning to make me feel strange. I listened for an instant more, then turned the knob and started out just in time to see two men getting off the elevator. Stepped inside again and shut the door. I have to wait. I don't know how long I'd been waiting. I tried to piece together what had <coughs> what had happened. How how I'd gotten here. I I was getting dizzy. Skit web. It all started with skit. My head was whirling. Lights were flashing in front of my eyes. 
lights like the ones down on East Main Street on the burlesque marquee next door to Skit Webb's office. I'd never been down on Main Street before. I remember it was a strange, dirty... It frightened me. I remember running upstairs to Skit's office. Hello. Is this the office of Mr. Webb, private detective? That's what the sign says. Who are you? I'm Mrs. John Winston. I'm in a hurry, so I'll make it clear exactly what I want. There's a banker named John Winston. Your husband? Yes. Now, Mr. Webb, I'm certain there is nothing wrong, you understand? I just want to check, that's all. I want you to watch John for a few days, then we'll just forget the whole thing. Better start at the beginning. I don't think that's important. It is to me. They call it background. Mr. Webb, I came here to tell you what to do, not to be questioned. Perhaps I should point out that I could certainly have afforded a more, shall we say, prosperous agent. Yeah. Let's say prosperous. I've been married a long time, and John has never given me any reason to believe that there was anything or anyone else, you understand? You mean until lately? I mean never. In other words, out of a clear sky, I begin to suspect something. I'm here to hire a private detective, not to listen to your insinuations. If you don't want or need the job, there are others. <laughs> sure, I need the job. We both know that. Don't we, Mrs. Winston? Hello. Hello, Mrs. Winston. Can you talk? I mean, are you alone? By yes. Who is this? This is Webb, Skid Webb. Remember last week? Uh, who? Skid Webb, the private investigator you hired. Oh, yes, I'd... I'd almost forgotten about that. I'm afraid I was acting quite foolishly that day. I had some sort of a silly argument with John about his working so late, you understand. What I call about, Mrs. Winston, is that I've been tailing John, boy, all week. I think maybe you might have something after all. You don't mean that. You lie. No, Mrs. Winston. I really mean it. You lie. Do you hear me? You lie. You're a liar. <laughs> oh... Hello? Hello. Hello, is this Mr. Webb? Oh, well, well, Mrs. Winston. I didn't expect I'd hear from you again. Mr. Webb, tell me. Where was he? What was her name? Do you know that? Take it easy. Look, first you come to the office and give me no information, then when I dig something up for you, you throw a tantrum. What's with that? All right, I'm sorry. I'll try to be more sensible. Now tell me. Well, it's going to take a little time before I can make a definite report. A little time and a lot more work. But I hired you well, to do a simple... Well, want your dough back? No. No, I'd like you to find out anything you can. Okay. Then play it my way just for a short time. As soon as I can, I'll give you some definite information. All right. But I want you to tell me everything as it goes along, Mr. Webb. Okay. And uh, why not just call me Skip? I'd rather leave it at Mr. Webb, if you don't mind. No. I don't mind. No, I never want to call you Skit. I, my head throbbing, splitting. <coughs> I was on the floor. Gas. 7.30. 7.30, it would be all over. The gas, I could smell it. Horrible. No, it wasn't gas. It was wisteria. Yes, the odor of wisteria, as it was in the park that day. I was standing on the edge of a walk, 
near a bed of white tulips in the wisteria. I love wisteria. Have you been waiting long, Mrs. Winston? No. Now, come on, let's go over that bench. There. What do you have? Well, John Boy seems to have pretty well settled down to one gal. Another woman? I don't believe you, Mr. Webb. Girls, perhaps, but not another woman. Okay. Well, you can't tell yet anyway. You're making the whole thing up. Then forget it. It's your type, that, that guy. I said type. forget it. Look, Mrs. Winston, I don't take that from anyone. You think just because you came down Main Street and you were hiring a two-bit snoop? Just a minute, Mr. Webb. I'm not through yet. Just because I don't have a plushy suite on the west side, you think that's the biggest case I've ever had? Sure, I've got a cheap office and a rundown joint. Sure, I've had better times. Let me tell you about them. I'm not interested in your past, and I thoroughly resent your insolence. Ever hear of Juanita Cole, Mrs. Winston? No? Well, I guess you wouldn't have. Juanita had an insurance deal. Filled the room with gas and hooked up a cigarette lighter to an alarm clock. So that at a certain time, the lighter would spark and blow the whole joint up. Would have worked, too. Except the clock stopped. Yeah, it was a clever stunt. You know who broke the case? I did. Yeah, me, the two-bit snoop you wanted to hire. And I can name other cases just as big. Mr. Webb, I don't see what all of this has to do with me, but if you're quite through now, I... Oh, you don't, huh? Well, I'll tell you. I'm sick of this high and mighty routine you've been giving me. I've got you pegged, Mrs. Winston. I know what's going on inside that head of yours. You told me you were 32. In your case, that means maybe 40. That's not true. You know you're slipping, you can't face it. What do you mean? Your husband, he's lost interest. No. You've been put on a shelf. He's found somebody else. You can't take it. Shut up! Shut up! Okay. I guess that covers it. And don't bother firing me. I quit. What? Get yourself another boy. No. No, no, no. No, you can't quit. I already have. But I'm depending on you. You can't leave me now. I've got to find out. Please. Please, I need you. I need somebody. <laughs> That's no lie. You've got to help me. Well, maybe. That depends on you. On me. Maybe if we were to climb down off that high oh, horse, I... Oh, I will. I will. Anything. Okay. Okay. All I know so far is that instead of being at a board meeting like he told you last Wednesday night, remember? Where was he? Had dinner at the gourmet private room. After that, I lost him. What... What did she look like? Typical. Blonde, about 25, theatrical looking. Pretty well put together. Oh, stop it. Well, you asked me. Else. She met him for lunch on Friday. I think she may be in a show downtown. That's all I know now, but I'll keep checking. Yes, 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 keep checking. But you've got to promise not to get all hot and bothered until we're ready to move. I promise, Mr. Webb. I'll be as cold as ice. Mrs. Winston? Skid Webb. This is it. Oh. John Boy's girlfriend is a dame named Terry Williams, an ex-choruser from the Latin Club. Ex since she nailed onto John Boy, that is. Go ahead. She's living at a hotel downtown. Now, look. You can do one of two things. Either rush right down there, tip them off, now clam up, or play it clever and wait for the kill. I'll be clever. Okay. It's a pretty good joint, sort of upper middle, the Bryn Carlton. Thank you, Skit. Shouldn't be long now. I'll let you know when at a crucial time. You know what I mean. Then we'll... Tobacco nibbler. Pancake on the piece. What? Here it is.
Hotel Bren Carlton. Oh, yes, Bren Carlton. Oh, do you have a Terry Williams there? Uh, Terry Williams? Uh, yes, yes, apartment 504. I'll ring her. Oh, never mind. After I hung up, all the strength seemed to drain out of me. I leaned heavily against the nightstand and the lamp fell to the floor. <gasps> For one instant after the globe had broken, the light glowed on. That's how life was. There was always a final spark after the brightness was gone. Now I knew what I was going to do about John and me. No long drawn out divorce. I was going to kill him. I'd be clever enough even for Skit Webb. But John would die. For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Claire Trevor in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Hey, Harlow, it's the ninth inning. 50,000 people have. I can't resist it. I'll tell them. Hey, tell them what, Harlow? Here goes. Take out those old narrow gap spark plugs. Go to bat with a set of wide gap auto light resistor spark plugs. They make your engine idle smoother, give better performance on leaner gas mixtures, actually save gas. Why, that newly developed 10,000 ohm auto light resistor found in no other automotive type spark plug increases electrode life 200% and more. Harlow, the slugger is up. It's a four-bagger hap. And so are sensational wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs. What's more, that exclusive Autolite resistor cuts down on radio and television interference, too. So see your Autolite dealer and get a set of those remarkable, irresistible, sensational new wide-gap Autolite resistor spark plugs today. Come on now, Harlow. we got to switch from baseball to suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Claire Trevor as Mrs. Winston in The Light Switch, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. I could hear the steady hiss of gas, the gas filling the room, the trap I'd set for my husband, John, and his girlfriend wasn't working out the way I'd planned. <laughs> I had to get out of the room. My plan was falling to pieces. My life falling to pieces. And like a person drowning, I was remembering. You. What were you expecting? I told you not to come here. John hired a private nurse to be with me all the time. Is that why I didn't get my money this week? Of course not. Come inside and be quiet. I'm all right, Mr. Webb. I've been trying to contact you anyway. To pay me? My expenses have been running up, you know. I figure maybe a couple of hundred... Oh, forget would, that. Uh... Do you want to make some good money? <laughs> you kidding? Skit, I'm very clever now. Very clever. Switch? I'll play it any way you like. You say where and when and I'll stay quiet. But first, I've got to trust you. And I don't now. Why? I've given you the straight all along. When the time is right, we'll be able to put John Boy right where he belongs. Fine, but all I have gotten from you is hearsay. Certainly, you gave me the name of Terry Williams, and I checked myself. You didn't. 
I didn't do anything, just found out she lived in 504. But still, she could be any girl. I've got to know. Uh, well, uh, what do you want? I want to see them myself. Huh? Well, now, look, that's just about impossible. They're, they're very cagey. The only reason I can tag them is because I know my business. That is, unless you want to take the chance of tipping the whole thing off. No, I just want to see them at the Bren Carlton. Well, I haven't caught them there myself yet. All right, Skit. Until then, you are off the payroll. <laughs> well, it may not be as easy as all that. How much if I can? I'm not a mind reader, you know. I can't tell what they're going to do before they do it. Five hundred. And from then on, I won't question you. Well, I don't know. It may take a week, maybe a month. I don't have much to go on. Please understand. I have to know myself. How about last week's dough? Can you get it now? Yes. Huh. I'll do my best. You go get what you owe me. You wait here in the hall. Skit, you told me you were going to call this morning. I've been sitting by the phone all day. Well, I didn't have anything to report this morning, but I do now. I was just going to call you. Tell me, quickly. You called me yesterday and said that John Boy was going away for a weekend. Yes. Well, get the 500 bucks ready. I was able to tap a phone conversation. Pretty tricky job, too. Go ahead. He's picking Terry Williams up in a taxi tonight at 7.15. They'll arrive at her apartment around 7.30 for dinner. Got that? Yes. Okay. You wait in your car across the street. I'll join you there. All right. Now, listen, don't lose your head and mess up the whole deal. No, I won't. I may be a little late. I've got a tail in this afternoon make sure everything runs right. So they may beat me there. If they do, you can watch them go in, but wait for me. Be clever, Mrs. Winston. Clever. Yes, Kit, clever. You'll never know how clever. I managed to get away from my nurse. Came here, got the key from one of the pigeonholes when the desk clerk wasn't looking, and let myself in. Apartment 504. Terry Williams' apartment. That's clever, Mr. Webb. Then I locked the windows, turned on the gas, and cracked a light bulb so it would spark when the lights were switched on. And now, now you'll see how clever I am at 7.30 when they... 7.30. I've, I've got to get out. The door! The door! I've got to get to that door! Are you kidding, Eva? Of course she's drunk. I tell you, she ain't, Harry. Oh, oh look at her eyes. She's loaded. Lights! Don't turn on the lights. They're already on, honey. Where, where am I? How did I get here? You got me there, baby. Eva and I just got off the elevator, and there you were, staggering up and down the hall. The I hall? Got... I got into the hall. What? room is this? Why, it's our room, honey. You fold it right in front of our door. I'm Eva, and this here's... Harry. Harry and Eva, honey. You remember Harry and Eva Vaudeville played all the big-time Palace Chicago, Detroit, you remember? No, she don't, Harry. Well, why don't she? Please, I mean, what's the number of this room? 505. Oh, oh, then 504 is next door. Yeah, that's real smart. Yeah, 504 is next door. Then comes 503, 502, Please help me up. I... I Uh, That's where you come from? 504? Terry having a party or something? No, huh? no, that isn't where I came oh, from. Oh, fine girl, Terry. She was overdue, you know. Hey, hey, if Terry's having a party, maybe we ought to drop in. Oh, no, 
Why not? We haven't seen much of her since she started running around with her new boyfriend. Come on! No, I mean, there's no party there, and I I didn't come from there. Then how do you know there's no party there? Please help me up. I've got to get out of here right now. I don't know, honey. You don't look so good to me. Why don't you just lie down a few minutes, and and then maybe it's... Time is it? It's time for a drink. That's what time it is. Now, you wait just right here and I'll get it. Oh, oh please, Maroney. tell me what time it is. Oh, about 7.30. No, I mean the exact time. Say, you're pretty particular, honey. Okay. It's exactly 7.26. That good enough for you? Four minutes. I've got to leave. You've got to help me out of here right now. Do you understand? Right now. Help me up, I tell you. Well, okay, Help honey, okay. Don't get so upset. Here. Oh, thank you. Well, here, here you are, girls. Here's your drink. No, thanks. I don't care. <laughs> Come on, sit down and drink it. Do you? No, good. please. I... I said sit down. Oh, why'd you want to push her, Harry? Well, what's with this babe anyway? You know? I don't know, but she don't look so hot to me. Maybe we ought to send for a doctor. I don't need a doctor. Hey, wait a minute. I just figured out what's wrong with you. What? You're unhappy. That's what's wrong. And that's something I can't stand to see. Anybody unhappy. Well, we got just a thing for that, even me. We'll give you a little routine. Routine? Yes, sir. It'll snap you right out of it in no time. Come on, Eva. Oh, I'm just wild about Harry. No. Come on, Eva. Come on. Oh, I'm just wild about Harry. And Harry's wild about me. Now, watch this stuff. Stop it! Stop it! Well, how about that? How about that? We're giving her class and all she can say is stop that. Now, look here, sister. Oh, let her alone, Harry. Can't you see she don't feel... Here, honey. You let me help you. There. No, the door. Maybe, maybe what you need is the drink. Well, what do you think I offered her a couple minutes ago? That ain't what she needs. She's loaded already. What she needs is air. Air. That's right, air. What I need is some air. Let's go out and get some air. Well, what's wrong with just opening the window? Oh. Aha! Hey, Eva, look. Huh? Terry and that new boyfriend getting out of a cab. Now we can have a party. I don't want a party. I want to get out right now. Can't you understand? Get me out of Harry, here. Harry, maybe we better get her out of here. I'm huh? kind of worried about her. Yes, we must get out. <laughs> we we got to help her downstairs, Harry. Oh, how come we always get tangled up with creeps like this? <laughs> come on, Harry. Come on. And finally, we were out in the hall, and Harry started to ring for the elevator. Only John would be coming up on the elevator. I insisted we take the stairs. Told them elevators made me dizzy. I knew they thought I was crazy, but I didn't care what they thought. Just as we reached the lobby, I caught sight of John's gray coat disappearing into the elevator. And she was right behind him. Eva and Harry tried to drag me with them to the bar down the street, but I refused. And they went on without me. I waited in the lobby. The indicator over the elevator door stopped at the fifth floor. They were just getting out of the elevator. And now they must be walking down the hall. I could almost see John fitting the key. I walked quietly out of the hotel lobby to my car down the street. I felt better now.
As I let myself in the front door, I knew I'd done everything right. I'd been clever. And now there was only one thing to remember. I must act shocked when they call me to tell me John is dead. John! Hello, dear. John! Why, yes. Yes, I came back for my coat. Incidentally, where is it? Uh, the gray one. I was positive it was in the hall closet, but I, I can't find it. Who could have taken it? Did uh, someone borrow it? Darling, what's the matter? I thought you... Where have you been, dear? Oh, you shouldn't worry me like this. You didn't have your coat? But I just told you. I started on my trip and discovered I left it behind, so I came back for it. <gasps> oh, please, dear, you mustn't get so upset about trifles. You're not well. And here you go running around when you're not supposed to leave the house. Oh, really, I, I've tried to be considerate with you, but I... You, you have been considerate, John. Very considerate. You've been a perfect husband. The police will be here any minute. When I called, they said they'd be right over. It's strange how it all worked out. He intended to make a lot of money off me. But I never had a chance to give him the 500. He thought he was so clever. But all he made was expenses. <laughs> And I... I thought I was being clever, too. I killed two people. Terry Williams and her boyfriend. Skit Webb. Thank you, Claire Trevor, for a splendid performance. Oh, uh, Miss Trevor. Yes, Mr. Wilcox. Remember what you said at rehearsal? You mean that uh, some women don't know a spark plug from a hill of beans? That's right. Well, just in case you're one of those women, I went out to my car and got a spark plug. Oh. Now, you see how you can tell the difference? Oh, why, of course. On this spark plug you handed me, it plainly says, Auto Light Resistor. And I doubt whether a hill of beans is marked at all. I doubt it, too. And besides, a hill of beans is not made by Autolite, which makes more than 400 products for cars, trucks, airplanes, and boats in 28 Autolite plants from coast to coast. Yes, sir, and Autolite also makes complete electrical systems for many makes of America's finest cars. Batteries, spark plugs, generators, starting motors, coils, distributors. All engineered to fit together perfectly, work together perfectly, because they're a perfect team. So, folks, don't accept electrical parts that are supposed to be as good. Ask for and insist on Autolite original factory parts at your neighborhood service station, car dealer, garage, or repair shop. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. And now here again is Miss Claire Trevor. It's been a pleasure to appear here tonight with this great cast of suspense actors and actresses. And I'm expecting almost as much pleasure from listening next week when radio's outstanding theater of thrills brings you Jimmy Stewart in Revenge, another gripping study in... Suspense! Claire Trevor will soon be seen co-starring with Fred McMurray in Borderline Productions' forthcoming picture, Borderline. Tonight's suspense play was written by Richard Vaudra with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Leith Stevens. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. 
In the coming weeks, Suspense will present such stars as Frederick March, Joan Crawford, Agnes Moorhead, John Lund, and many others. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear James Stewart in Revenge. You can buy Autolite resistor spark plugs, Autolite stay-full batteries, Autolite electrical parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now, Roma Wines, R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines presents Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Miss Claire Trevor in The Plan, a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you Claire Trevor in a remarkable tale of... Suspense! I, uh, I know this has been a terrible shock to you, Mrs. Anderson, but there's a few questions we have to ask you. You understand why that can't wait. My husband, where is he? I'm so worried about him. We uh, just located him through the sheriff's office, Mrs. Anderson. They're bringing him over. Is he all right? He's more worried about you than you are about him. Have they told him what happened? Did they have to, Mrs. Anderson? Well, they don't think he did it, do they? Well, they mustn't think that. We don't know quite what to think. I uh, suppose there's no doubt about the cause of death, is there, Doc? No doubt whatsoever. This is the gun that was used. Mm-hmm. You recognize this gun, Mrs. Anderson? Yes. It's a dueling pistol. One of a brace that belongs over the fireplace in the trophy room. Funny they're being loaded. There was a reason for it. Ah? Uh, well, do you mind telling me what the reason was? I'd better start at the beginning. Yeah, I think you'd better... Well, Harvey, my husband and I have only been married a short time, as you probably know. Yeah, in a town this size, you can't help knowing most of the vital statistics. Especially about old Judge Collins' daughter, eh, Lieutenant? Yeah, Doc. As uh, I remember, folks here about didn't know much about Mr. Anderson. No, and neither did I. All I know was that he was good and kind. And I felt so alone after my father's death. Oh, I know what you're thinking, but Harvey didn't kill that man. I, I know that. Oh, I wish he were here. I feel so helpless facing this alone. Well, you're among friends, my dear. Yes. You're so very kind, Doctor. And you too, Lieutenant. It, it's just that, well, if they question Harvey, he, he might say anything trying to protect me. You sure you aren't trying to protect him, Mrs. Anderson? I told you. I, I'll have to start at the beginning. 
It was only last night that the phone call came. Harvey and I were sleeping here in this bedroom. At first, I couldn't imagine what had happened. The call at that hour. One moment. Yes? Pittsburgh calling Mr. Harvey Anderson. Oh, this is she. Mr. Harvey Anderson. Oh, Mr. Anderson. What is it, Helen? Uh, one moment. <clears throat> Harvey, it's a, a long-distance call from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh? Yes, so late. Do we know anybody in Pittsburgh? Here, give me the phone. Hello? Yes, all right, operator. I can't imagine who... Hello? Yes? Al! Oh, how are you? Yes. Well, what are you doing in Pittsburgh? Who's Al, Harvey? Yes? Oh, no, no, Al. Tomorrow, no. Well, very well. Tomorrow. Well, now, who's Al, and who does he think he is calling us up at 3 o'clock in the morning? What's wrong, Harvey? Bad news? Who's Al? My brother. Brother? My brother. Harvey, I never knew you had a... You, you well, never told me. The Lord said me. unto Cain, where is thy brother? And Cain said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Makes sense, And the Lord answered, the blood of thy brother crieth to me from the ground. Yes, and Eve probably took after him with a, a fig tree rolling pin. I'm not being facetious, Helen. I don't know how to explain it. Something... It's... Just not easy to speak about it. Well, obviously. No, it's not a joke. But what is it? I... I'll show you. It'll be easier that way than talking about it. Well, where are you going? To get the papers. What papers? The papers that explain about my brother. They're locked in the safe in the trophy room. He wasn't out of the room very long, but it seemed an eternity. I sat up in bed and lit a cigarette. I was wide awake now. I was worried. I'd never seen that look on Harvey's face before. He came back with a sheaf of papers in his hand and, without a word, handed them to me to read. There was a good deal of legal language I didn't bother to wade through. The important thing was the signatures and the official stamps. They were commitment papers on Alan H. Anderson, signed by his brother, a board of alienists, and the warden of the state hospital for the criminal insane. Do you understand what those papers mean? Yes. Yes, I do, Harvey. Oh, my poor, poor darling. No, no, you mustn't take that view of it. I can speak of it now as if it had happened to another person not even related to me. I would prefer to do that if we're going to discuss it. How long he since... He escaped four years ago. And is he... Still... He was never violent all the time, just that once. He killed a woman, his wife. You can see, Helen, why you never knew I had a brother. Criminal insanity in one's immediate family is pleasant neither to reflect on nor to discuss. I suppose I shouldn't have played along with him as long as I have. How do you mean, dear? I had a good deal of money four years ago at the time of the escape, and Brother Al's had every cent of it. I promised I'd never hear from him again, but... I guess blackmail gets into the blood. What are we going to do? Do? I don't want a man like that in my house. 
Helen, do you mean that you'll stick by me even... Darling, I love you. I see no reason why you should suffer for this dreadful thing. You had no control over it, and it's, it's all over and done now. You're the man I love, and I'm not going Thanks, to... Thanks, darling. You're wonderfully understanding. But Alan Anderson is an escaped criminal. We must act accordingly. Your... your brother. He, he's coming here. He'll be in on the six o'clock train. I'll meet him at the station. Harvey, do you think you Leave are... this thing to me, Helen. You have nothing to do with it. Now turn out the light, darling. We'd better get some sleep. Oh. Harvey, what was it like? I can remember how it came on. It was horrible. Horrible. I'd almost forgotten about it until Al called just now. What about his wife? The one Beverly? He... She made a fatal mistake, and I share the blame. We underestimated the seriousness of the attacks Beverly paid with her life for our joint error of judgment. Seems a long time ago now. Brother Al. Strange how two people can grow up together, look alike, even think alike, until one day something happens to one of them, and it's as if they'd never known each other. What's he like, Harvey? Huh? Oh, very like me. You'll know we're brothers when you see him. Oh, darling, what's the use? Maybe I'd better go to the authorities before he gets here and... No, I won't hear of it. You've suffered enough. Darling, I can't tell you how wonderful you are. It doesn't make any difference. You're sure you aren't frightened? We'll be at the station at 5.30 tomorrow and... and do what has to be done. Now go to sleep, darling. Go to sleep. I suppose if you want really to forget something, you can. And even the direct stirrings of premonition can be subdued by a good hard day of housework. I was helping Matilda, and for some reason I worked with even more concentration and good spirits than usual. But somehow, the doorbell intruded on that concentration. Disturbed the protective veil for a moment, I guess. I seldom used the door slot, but now I did. I... Felt silly peeking out. Hello, ma'am. Oh, why, hello, Rutherford. Matilda, it's Rutherford. <laughs> Excuse me, coming around the front, ma'am. Tried knocking on the back, nobody answered. Oh, that's all right, Rutherford. Matilda was running the vacuum for me. We didn't hear. You're early, aren't you? It's only 2.30. Oh, I told Tilly expect me at 3. Because I figured the train would be late and done if we didn't come in on time. Oh, well, Matilda will be right out. Oh, I like Tilly, Miss Anderson. It's mighty nice of you to give it afternoon off when my run makes town in the daytime. Well, it's not often, Rutherford. I don't mind. You must be tired. Your Pullmans are awfully crowded these days, aren't they? Oh, yes, ma'am. Oh, yeah. I know what I want to tell you. I saw a man riding on the Belfote. It's not my car. I was just passing through. <laughs> Lordy, ma'am, he looked just like your husband. Before I saw it wasn't, I said, hello, Mr. Anderson. He said, hello. And I said, you ain't Mr. Anderson. And he said, I am? Lord, ma'am, he looked near enough like Mr. Anderson to be his brother. His brother. Spitting image. I think it might have been his brother, Rutherford. You don't? Hello, you. <laughs> ready, Tilly? I'm ready. Come along. Bye, Miss Anderson. Bye, Miss Anderson. Oh, goodbye. Uh, Rutherford, uh, did you say this man came in with you uh, on the 2.30? Huh? Oh, yes, yeah, sir. He's here in town, then. 
Something wrong, ma'am? Uh, no, I... You cover there, man. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, goodbye, Miss Anderson. Bye. It's 2.30. Matilda! Matilda! Harvey's brother, Al, had come in on the 2.30. At all costs, I must not be alone in the house when he arrived. And here he'd be arriving in three hours before we were ready for him. At any moment now, I bolted the door, picked up the phone, and started to dial the number of Harvey's office. My hand was shaking so that I fumbled the dial and had to start again. Novelties, good afternoon. Hello. Uh, hello, Pearl. This is Helen Anderson. Is Mr. Anderson there? I'll ring his office. He don't answer, honey. I guess he didn't get back from lunch yet. At three o'clock? Oh, don't be silly. Try him again. Well, honey, he's not in there, but dead. I'll tell him you called. Uh, well, look, uh, connect me with Mr. Gutherford's office. It's important. All right, just a sec. Yes? Oh, Ralph, is Harvey there? Oh, Helen. Why, uh, no, I haven't seen him since lunch. Uh, well, look, Ralph, the minute he gets in or you hear from him, tell him to call home at once. It's important. Sure, Helen. Anything I can do? Oh, uh, no, Ralph, thanks. It's a, just a family matter. Well, if I see him, I'll tell him. Oh, Ralph, on second thought, i better tell you what it is. I... Hello? Hello, are you still on the line? Hello? <laughs> doorbell. It stabbed the air of the quiet house like a knife blade. I meant not to answer it, but something made me walk over to the door and open the slot. Curiosity, I suppose, or perhaps something stronger than mere curiosity. Yes. Is uh, this the Anderson residence? Yes. Mrs. Anderson? Yes. Mrs. Anderson, I was given your name by Mrs. Colby down the street. She said you might be interested in our special offer. Now, for only 30 cents a week, uh, or a little over four cents a day, uh, you can subscribe to any two magazines at their regular subscription rate. Uh, and this beautiful dictionary, 1,200 pages, 127,000 words, oh, 400 yes, yes, I am interested. Huh? I am interested. Is there something wrong? Uh, uh, no, I, uh, I... <laughs> well, uh, frankly, ma'am, I, I lost my place in my speech. Oh. You see, I'm accustomed to a little more sales resistance. Well, there are several magazines I've wanted. Well, to tell you the truth, Mrs. Anderson, it's no bargain. Oh, please, now, I'd, I'd much rather be deceived, you see. Oh, well, looks like competition coming through the gate. Uh, pardon me, is this 2367 Oakhurst? Yes. Oh, you're Helen, aren't you? Well, I'm Al Anderson, Harvey's brother. Well, I guess I, I'd better be going. Oh, no. Oh, that's all right. I can stop back. No, but, but the magazine... Oh, I cover the same territory tomorrow. Well, goodbye, ma'am. Uh, pardon me, sir. So, you're my brother Harvey's wife, eh? Yes, I... Didn't Harvey tell you I was coming? Oh, yes, he did. I... I'm glad to meet you. Well, aren't you going to invite me in? Oh, 
Yes. Yes. Come in. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Claire Trevor in The Plan by Cyril Enfield. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of Suspense, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines with an entertaining suggestion for the ladies. Next time you play hostess to club friends, solve the problem of what to serve by offering delicious Roma California sherry. Wherever smart women gather, at bridge luncheons, at club meetings, at showers for the bride, you'll notice Roma sherry being served. It's proof that delightful Roma sherry is the favorite wine with party-wise hostesses coast to coast. If you haven't tried golden amber Roma sherry lately, You've a treat in store. I know you'll enjoy as much as I do the mellow fragrance, delicious medium sweetness, and satisfying nut-like taste of Roma Sherry. And take it from me, serving Roma Sherry is simplicity itself. You just pour and hospitality reigns. Men and women alike tell me Roma Sherry is their round-the-clock favorite. Perfect first call for dinner. Keynote of friendly hospitality anytime. No wonder Roma wine is America's first choice. Yet Roma costs no more than ordinary wines. So get Roma sherry tomorrow. That's R-O-M-A, Roma wine. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. And now Roma wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage, Claire Trevor as Helen Anderson in The Plan, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Would you, uh, would you like some water, Mrs. Anderson? Oh, thank you. If you'd rather rest... Uh... No, I'll go on. I I led him into the front hall, and as he walked behind me to the living room, I, I can't tell you it was as if I had my back turned on death. Just reaching the front room took a lifetime. We sat facing each other, and I, I tried to answer his questions, but I, I didn't seem to be able to talk. It was a terrible self-feeding panic, and I watched myself provoke the very situation I wanted to avoid because he grew more and more restless as I failed to answer him with grace or sense. I saw the corners of his mouth start working, his jaw and fingers tense. I told him I'd phone Harvey, and I fled out to the hall and up the stairs to the second floor. There was a phone in Father's old trophy room. We used it for a den. I called Pearl, Harvey's secretary, but the line was busy. Then I saw the brace of dueling pistols. I think I decided then that I'd protect myself in any way that I could. I took the ammunition from the case, loaded the pistols, and put them on the mantel. Then the perfectly simple solution of leaving the house by the back way came to me. Uh-huh. I might be able to find Harvey and bring him back before... Yeah, I was going to ask why you... If I had only thought of it sooner. Of course, I had to get downstairs first. 
past the archway that opened on the living room where he sat. I walked out into the corridor. Just over to the head of the stairway, I told myself softly. Down the steps and around and out through the back. Ellen! Ellen! I pulled back from the head of the staircase just as he appeared at the bottom. Ellen! You up there? I ran back along the hallway into the trophy room and shut the door behind me. I heard his footsteps coming upward. Ellen! Ellen! I heard him opening doors along the hallway. First he'd knock, then open the front bedroom, the guest bedroom, the second floor sitting room, and then... Ellen! I was afraid to answer, and afraid not to answer. He came into that room. I was afraid to... Ellen! Yes? I'm sorry, I wondered where you were. You didn't come back to the drawing room. May I come in? Oh, yes, I... I haven't been able to reach Harvey. I've been trying everywhere. Oh, yes, my brother. My beloved brother. We must reach him by all means. I've tried. Forget it. Uh -uh. This room is a lot cozier than the front room. Couldn't we talk here? If you wish. The front room's too big. Don't like such big places. Do you? Uh, I... I like cozy places. Cozy people, too. Trouble is, there's too many people who aren't cozy. Cut your throat. Law of the jungle. Yes. This is a nice room. It's a nice house. Is it yours? Yes, uh, that is my father's, really. I... I inherited it. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> These trophies. These stuffed heads. <laughs> I thought for a moment Harvey had gone in for the out-of-doors life. <laughs> These are your father's, then. Yes. <laughs> that wolf's head. What savage teeth you have, said Little Red Riding Hood. Oh, look here. <gasps> Don't touch those. I beg your pardon? Those guns are, are loaded. Loaded? Do you always keep loaded guns in your house? Do you think it's safe? Oh, please, please put them down. Old dueling pistols. <laughs> How beautiful. <laughs> How many men died at sunrise because another man cocked the hammer and squeezed the trigger? Oh, don't! <laughs> oh, don't worry. I know how to handle a gun. There. Feel better? You you must forgive me. I I have a headache, a terrible headache. I'm, I'm all on edge. Oh, do you have headaches, too? Yes, I... Oh, so do I. Terrible oh, ones. Oh, y- you do. So terribly painful. Sometimes they say... <gasps> what do you want? What do I want? A cigarette. Here, I'll get it. No, you. no, sit there. I'll get it. Thank you. A match. What's wrong with you? What do you want from me? I broke your lamp. I'll pay for it. What are you crying about? Stay away from me. Oh, you're like all the others. Stay away. Come here. What are you afraid of? Come here. Do you hear me? Horrible. Horrible. Now, take it easy, Mrs. Anderson. I, I must have... 
stood there screaming, just screaming, looking at him. Then I, I, I just stood quiet, and, and then you people came. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry, Mrs. Anderson. Shucks, I, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Huh? Oh, thanks. Hello? Yeah? Oh, you did? Fine. What else? You uh, checked it with Dr. Who? Uh-huh. Well, is, uh, is he the chief of staff there? Well? Well, that's good enough for me. Anything else? No, no, no. Hold everything there. <laughs> well, Mrs. Anderson, the identification of the body was checked through by telephone with State Hospital. Yes, yeah, sure enough, the papers on him belong to an Alan Anderson who's been a fugitive from the state for the past four years. <laughs> oh, shucks, Mrs. Anderson, don't cry like that. Okay, then I gotta do it anyhow. You're, uh, you're under arrest, Mrs. Anderson. On suspicion of murder. Murder? Now, now, don't go off again. I I won't. Shucks, Mrs. Anderson, I hate to do it. Why, your dad and me was real close friends. He, uh... How did... How did you know? Oh, it was just lucky. I mean, you did a real job of storytelling, Mrs. Anderson. Real fine. Never told a single lie. I... I thought... I know. You thought when we found him dead with your husband's old identification on him that your husband would be free finally and forever. Well, I wish it worked out that way, Helen, for your dad's sake. You, you know everything. Yeah. Yeah, your husband was the real Alan Anderson. Alan H. for Harvey Anderson. Six years ago, he murdered his first wife and beat the rap on an insanity plea. When he escaped, he came to our nice little town in Pennsylvania... Married our favorite and most respectable daughter after a whirlwind courtship. I guess she didn't find out much about him. I'm sorry, Mrs. Anderson. I really am. You needn't be, Lieutenant. If Harvey's going to be taken away, I don't care what happens to me. It was a good plan, though. Yes, sir, I'll have to hand it to you. You could have pleaded self-defense against an escaped lunatic. Brother Albert looked enough like your husband. You and he would identify the dead man, and we'd wire the authorities out west that they could close their books on the fugitive. Uh, that was the plan, wasn't it, Mrs. Anderson? Yes, that was the plan. But, but how? How did you know? Well, I guess it was the strain. Strain? On your husband. I guess it was a relapse. You see, when we picked him up on Elm Street, stock. Staring, babbling everything. Oh, no. Oh, I'm sorry, Mrs. Anderson. Shucks, I, I really am. But, but I didn't do it to avoid a scandal. And once I've understood, I love him. I don't care what he is. I'm just sorry this business has made him ill again. That wasn't a part of the plan. Yeah, guess there's always something missing in a plan for murder. I wouldn't know. You see, Lieutenant... This is my first experience with this sort of thing. Mm. <sighs> well, Mrs. Anderson, are you ready to go? Yes, I'm quite ready. Poor Harvey. Poor, poor darling. <laughs> 
Suspense. Presented by Roma Wine. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Before we hear again from Claire Trevor, star of The Plan, tonight's suspense play, this is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. Recently, I dined with a friend who hadn't yet discovered the magic of Roma wine with meals. We decided on thick, juicy hamburger steaks. To bring out the fullest flavor of the red meat, I ordered Red Roma California Burgundy. Well, my friend's face lighted up at the first sip of that good Roma Burgundy. Roma Burgundy, he said, made every bite of hamburger tastier, more flavorful, and he vowed Roma Burgundy would be adding taste enjoyment to his meals from then on. Yes, Roma Burgundy adds tantalizing taste appeal to any meal. Prove it yourself. Tomorrow, serve delicious Roma Burgundy with a sizzling chop, savory piping hot spaghetti, or with whatever you're having for dinner. You'll agree that Roma wine deserves a regular place on your table. Get Roma wine tomorrow, for unvarying goodness at reasonable cost. Insist on Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's first choice. This is Claire Trevor. It's always one of the season's most stimulating experiences to have an appearance on suspense. Next Thursday, a young man who's been making a very rapid climb up the ladder to stardom will do a suspense play about a gangster who marries into money and murder. Dane Clark. Claire Trevor appeared through courtesy of RKO and will soon be seen in their production, Crack Up. Next Thursday, same time, Roma Wines will bring you Dane Clark as star of Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Produced by William Spear for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Suspense is broadcast from coast to coast and to our men and women overseas by shortwave and through the worldwide facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now, Roma Wines present... Suspense. Tonight, Tale of Two Sisters, starring Claire Trevor and Nancy Kelly. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you as co-stars Miss Nancy Kelly and Miss Claire Trevor. Both are currently being seen in RKO Productions. Miss Trevor in Murder, My Sweet. 
and Miss Kelly in Betrayal from the East. There is a phrase of Walt Whitman's, the sisters, death and night, incessantly, softly wash again and never again this soiled world. And so with the tale of these two sisters, and with the performance of Claire Trevor as Clara, and of Nancy Kelly as Adele, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Everyone is so good to me. I like being here, but some of the others don't, I guess. Do you hear? They scream sometimes like that in the night. Maybe they scream because they remember things. But I remember things, too. Especially when people come out from town to see me, to bring me things. There's nothing that I want. They can't bring back my sister. My beautiful sister, Adele. Today was Thursday, and they came. And now they've gone. And when they came, they brought back memories of Adele. When we were children. The night that Mother died. The night we made the promise. <laughs> Don't cry anymore, Adele. I'm afraid, Clara. We're alone. We're not alone. But if something happened to you... Nothing's going to happen to me. <laughs> I'm going to take care of you. But that's what Mother said. And now she's left us, too. But Adele, <laughs> Mother didn't know that she... She wouldn't have left us if she could have helped us. Promise me you won't die, Claire. And that whatever I do, you'll do. And that... And that you'll never leave me. I promise. And we'll be together. Always and forever. Always and forever. I promise. And for years, I kept that promise. Adele and I were as close as anyone could be. We had few friends, and I didn't mind as long as she was happy. But sometimes I was frightened at the way she clung to me after we were grown. I was afraid of what would become of her in case anything ever happened to me. And then something did happen. I met Douglas Foley. Adele liked him until she realized that I'd fallen in love with him. Then she hated him in a childish, vicious way. He tried to win her over, but it was no good. And then he asked me to marry him. And I said yes. That night, after he'd gone, Adele was waiting for me in my room. Adele! Clara! Douglas told me. Adele, you're so white, darling. You're, you're ill. But you promised me. But Adele, I'm not leaving you. You're going to live no. with us. No, it won't be the same. You promised always and forever. But we were children, Adele. You promised, you promised we'd be together always and forever. I, Adele, you see, if you marry him, I'll never speak to you again. But we were married, and we believed that Adele would forgive us in time, but she didn't. She refused to see us. Then when we learned that my husband's new job was to take us to Europe, our first thought was of Adele. If she would only go with us. But when we drove to her house, she refused to come to the door, and we were forced to sail without her. My son, Doug, was born in Europe. 
And I wrote Adele a long letter telling her about him, but the letter was returned, unopened. When Doug was just ten, we returned to America. I went directly from the station to Adele's home. She was working in the garden when we drove up. I was shocked at her appearance. Her hair had turned almost white, and there was a strange look about her. I sent Doug to the gate to introduce himself. She looked at him in a puzzled manner. Then she saw us sitting in the car, and she turned and walked into the house. next thing I remember was that day, one month after my return home, when I was put on trial for murder, for my husband's murder. Mrs. Foley, will you tell us again what happened the night of your husband's murder? My husband was working in the garden all day when it began to grow dark. Will you please speak up? Well... My husband had been working in the garden, and when I called him in, he insisted that he had something to finish. I called him several times after that, but then I became irritated and I gave up. I had my dinner alone, and I went up to my bedroom. Then you admit that you quarreled with him the night of the murder. No, we didn't quarrel. I, I was irritated, but I, I said nothing to my husband. You're uh... Your husband's death was caused by a deep, narrow wound in the vicinity of the heart. It is the opinion of this court that the instrument used might have been an ice pick. Mrs. Foley, have you any other ideas as to what might have inflicted this wound? No. Had, uh, had your husband any enemies, Mrs. Foley? No. So I was acquitted that day because of insufficient evidence. I thought Adele would come to me during those awful days, but she didn't. I saw her in the courtroom, but she never looked my way. I believe it was about two months after the trial that my son Doug and his friend Roy went on an all-day hiking trip to the beach. They were lights getting back. It was almost dark when I saw Roy coming up the street. He was alone. He was running. Oh, Mrs. Foley! Mrs. Foley! Roy, where's Doug? He's down at the beach with her. With who? Your sister. My sister? For heaven's sakes, Roy, will you tell me what this is all about? Well, you see, Mrs. Foley, Doug and I... Well, it seemed that Roy and Doug had forgotten to take along their drinking water, and they hadn't missed it until they'd come to a very deserted strip of the beach. Come on, Doug. Maybe we can get water at that little house over there. Funny place for a house, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Come on. Looks like nobody lives there. All the better. We can just drink out of that faucet in the yard. We won't have to ask nobody. Come on. Sure run down, isn't it? Maybe the faucet isn't working. Garden's all dead. Oh, sure it's working. See? Hmm. Someone's just plain lazy. Well, maybe no one lives here. Oh, sure they do. There's a mailbox. Maybe there's a name on it. Look, Miss Adele Norris. That's my mom's sister. Yeah? Well, let's drop in and see her. Well, she wouldn't even know who I was. Oh, you could tell her, couldn't you? Say, maybe she'd give us some cake or something. No, she's mad at me and Mom. Come on, let's get out of here. Say, Doug, look at all the dead leaves on the porch. 
Let's have a look around. No, she might come out. Ah, she can't hurt you, can she? Let's peek in the window. No. Roy! Look, Doug. The place is all upset. It's all dirty and everything. Let's look in the rest of the windows. There's no one around. Oh, here's the kitchen. Look at all the dirty dishes piled up. Say, maybe my aunt is sick. Hey, look. Somebody's coming to the... The window. Oh, gosh. What do you want? We wanted to see if you were all right. Go away. Don't you recognize me? No. Are you sick? No. I'm your nephew, Douglas Foley. Go away, whoever you are. I'd like to help you. Go away, I said. Mother wouldn't want me to leave you here like this. Who's your mother? I told you, don't you remember? She's your sister. I have no sister. My my sister died when I was 18. Roy, you go home and get Mother. My aunt is sick. I'll climb through this window and see if there's anything I can do. You stay out of this house, Doug. Let's both go. She doesn't want you here. She's sick. You go for my mother. And hurry. If you come into this house, you'll be sorry. If you dare come... Did you say your name is Douglas Foley? Yeah, that's right. You see, I'm... Douglas... Foley is dead. Forever and ever. No, don't you see? The one who died was my father. Douglas Foley came between two sisters. And then he died. Yeah, but I'm trying to tell you. My mother and you are... Well, if he isn't dead, then I guess you'll have to die again. Yes. That's it. Yes. He'll have to die again. He'll have to die again. He'll have... Look, you're sick. You need help. I'm sick? Yeah. Don't you want me to come in? Yes. Oh, yes. Come in, Douglas Foley. Tonight for Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Nancy Kelly and Claire Trevor in Mel Dinelli's radio play, Tale of Two Sisters. Tonight's study in... Suspense. We have an interesting idea for you tonight from the keen and sensible mind of America's famed expert on parties and smart entertaining, Miss Elsa Maxwell. And we quote, Serving a nice table wine when friends come to dinner or with everyday meals is one of the smartest, most sensible, and truly moderate pleasures of which I know and one which any family can regularly enjoy, since the cost of delicious Roma Burgundy is very little. Just serve your Roma Burgundy well-cooled. Enjoy it with any food, and don't worry about special glasses. Any glasses available are perfectly correct. The goodness of the wine, the added enjoyment of your food, these are the things that count. Miss Maxwell expresses perfectly what we of Roma believe. In Roma, California Burgundy, in all Roma wines, you enjoy the glorious color, aroma, and flavor of superb sun-ripe grapes. Our noted wineries, located in California's choicest vineyard areas, assure you a flavor and quality which are always good, never varying, always delightful. And so, Roma quality is preferred everywhere. And you are able to enjoy these fine Roma wines at modest prices. Only pennies a glassful. Remember... More Americans enjoy Roma 
than any other wines. R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Nancy Kelly as Adele and Claire Trevor as Clara, who resumes the recital of this tale of two sisters, a narrative well calculated to keep you in suspense. You see how clearly I remember things? I remember so well the horror of that moment when Doug's little friend finished telling me how he had left Doug there alone with my sister Adele. And I even remember what Roy said at the end. So I came back to tell you, Mrs. Foley, on account of Doug made me. But now I wish I hadn't left him there with her. I know she's your sister and all, but I saw her face when she came to the window. She looked awful, Mrs. Foley. She looked awful crazy. I followed Roy's direction, and I went by foot north along the ocean. I must have walked a good mile before I came to the house. I ran quickly up the pathway. The front door was standing open. There was a lamp burning on the table. Adele! She lay on the bed. I couldn't see her very clearly by the candlelight, but I could see that she was fully dressed. Her hair was undone, and it spilled down over the pillow. For a moment, I thought she was dead. What do you want? Adele. What do you want? It's me, Clara. Where's Douglas? He's dead? <gasps> Adele. Well, your husband is dead, I tell you. Oh, I don't mean my husband. I mean my son. Where is he? Oh, he was murdered by a long shot. Be still. You don't know what you're saying. Where is my son? I haven't seen him. You have. He was here, I know that. I haven't seen him. Yes, you have. Try, try and remember. Where is he? I, I don't know. Oh, yes, yes, you do know. What have you done to him? Was he your son? Yes, Adele. Please. I, I hated him. I know, but where, where is he, Adele? He went away. Where, where did he go? He, he went to the village for a doctor. Are you telling me the truth? Yes. How long ago did he leave? I, I don't remember. Will you, will you stop questioning me? Can't you see that I'm sick? I tell you, he went for a doctor. Oh, why do you call me a Clara? After ten years. I've come to help you. I, I don't need your help. Adele, did Doug really go for the doctor? You think I'm lying? I don't know, but if he isn't back soon, I... I'm going for the police. <laughs> the police. <laughs> Fat fool. <laughs> I'm so sick, Clara. <laughs> I'm going to take the things off, Adele. You'll be more comfortable. Then when the doctor comes... No, no, don't you touch me. Adele, you're sick. Let me take your no, things off. No, no, no. Doug's foley came between 
sisters. Adele. He, he worked in the garden. He was bending down low. Oh, I'm so tired, Clara. Yes, try and rest, Adele. Close your eyes. Oh, but eyes. he was working in the garden, and, and I was on my way home from the sewing club. I saw him there, Clara. He looked the same after ten years because he had your strength to draw from. But I was alone. I'd grown old, and he had stayed young. And then she seemed to doze off. Her breathing was so labored, and I thought... Perhaps she'll rest more easily if I undress her. And I went over to the bed. She was wearing a corset. I reached over and began to unhook it. She started mumbling something in her sleep. You... You broke your promise. Always and forever, you said. But she didn't wake up. And I finally managed to take her corset off. But as I went to place it on a chair, I noticed something protruding from the material. At first, I thought it was a broken stay... But it was round, and one end was sharp. I looked closer. It was a steel knitting needle, a long steel one, and there was rust on it. Or was that brown stain rust? Adele had concealed a knitting needle. And there was proof of what I guess I'd known all along. Adele had murdered my husband. With a shudder, I dropped it to the floor. And then something caught my eye. There was a hand sticking out from beneath the bed. It was white and still. It was a child's hand. I fell swiftly to my knees. Doug! Doug! Just as I reached out for him, I felt a sharp blow on the back of my head, and I fell to the floor. And Adele and I were children again. That she was laughing, and we were playing an old game of ours where we tied each other up with our bathrobe cords. And then we waited for a knight in armor to rescue us. It was the odor of kerosene that brought me to. The room was filled with it. My head was pounding, and I couldn't seem to focus my eyes. I tried to raise myself to my feet, but I couldn't seem to move my arms and legs. Suddenly, I, I realized why. I was tied with a bathrobe cord. I was a child again. Adele and I were playing our games again. My husband, everything that had happened between Adele and me had been nothing but a bad dream. A feeling of relief swept over me. And then suddenly I heard footsteps. And the door creaked slowly open. And suddenly I knew that what had happened had not been a dream. For Adele stood in the doorway. Not Adele, the child who would rescue me, but Adele with gray hair, who hadn't spoken for all those years. She wore a long dressing gown. She was barefoot, her long hair streaming about her shoulders. And there was a vacant, stupid smile on her face. She carried a bucket in her hand, and the odor of kerosene filled the room. She didn't seem to notice me as she went past me, and she threw the liquid from the bucket onto the bed. There! Adele! No, Adele! no attention to me as she left the room again. I struggled wildly, but it was no use. I was tied securely. And then I saw a still figure on the bed. It was Doug. His face was white. He was unconscious. 
And there was a deep gash at the side of his head. And then Adele came into the room. She had filled her bucket to the brim. And she walked towards the bed again. Adele! Clara? Adele, untie me. Untie you? Why? Adele, listen to me. This is your son, Clara. Yes, Adele, untie me. You were looking for him. And he was here all the time. Please untie me, Adele. I never knew your son. For years, I never knew her. How old is he, Clara? He's only ten. He's just a boy. Adele, Adele, you're sick. Untie me, and we'll go for a doctor. You, you want me to be well, Clara? Oh, yes, untie me. Are we friends again, Clara? Yes, yes, we're friends. I, I want to help you. Oh, but I can't forget the years, Clara. I must wash those years away before we can really be friends again. Adele, forget those years. Let me help you. Untie me. Oh, no. No, we can't forget them, Clara. We must wash them away. That's what I was doing. I was washing away the years. Your husband's gone. And, and your son is all that remains of me. <gasps> And then we can be sisters again. You don't know what you're doing. Untie me, Adele. But, but this isn't water that I have in this bucket. No, no, you see, you're sick, Adele. It's, it's what I put into the lamps to make them burn. Oh, no. Perhaps I could burn away the years. Oh, yes, that'd be better. Much better. No, no, Adele. Adele, for the love of heaven, untie me. If I could burn away these years that remain on the bed. Oh, no. No, Adele. If I could do that with this candle, oh, well, then you and I could really be friends again, like, like when Mother was alive. We, we could be sisters again. Always and forever. We're, we're sisters now, Adele. Oh, no. Now you're lying. We're not sisters. Adele, Adele, listen to me. We're, we're children, and you've tied me with this cord, you see? And, and now you must untie me, like you like you used to do when you've left me too long, and, and, and I cried. No, 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 you're lying. We're not sisters, and we haven't been for years. And now, now I'm going to punish you for lying, just as Mother used to punish me when we were children. Then she started walking unsteadily towards me, a lighted candle in one hand, the bucket in the other... The liquid slopping over her dressing gown as she walked. Clara, do you remember the time Mother washed out my mouth with soap when she caught me in a fib? Well, that's what I'm going to do to you now. Or, or perhaps it would be better if I burned it out. No, no! No, now, Clara, don't scream. You're waking your precious son. <laughs> and we mustn't waken him now. Adele, I'm tired. <laughs> I promise you that I'll take Doug away. We'll both go away. You'll never have to see us again. Oh, no, Clara. And she kept moving towards me, holding the lighted candle close to her breast. You mustn't ever lie to me again, Clara. Adele! You hell! You don't know what you're doing! Wash away the years. Burn away the years. Suddenly, I saw a tiny flicker of flame on her breast. <laughs> Frilly dressing gown, 
She'd held the candle too close. Her entire dressing gown was a mass of flames. It spread swiftly to her hair. In a moment, she was a blazing torch. And the odor of burning filled the room. I could see her face. Surprised, no, contorted no, with pain. She turned and looked toward the bed a second, the bucket flaming in her hand. And then she went screaming out the front door and towards the sea. Mrs. Foley. Mrs. Foley. Yes? You mustn't scream like that. I wasn't screaming. That was my sister, Adele. Yes, I know. Try not to think about it, Mrs. Foley. You knew my sister was burned to death, didn't you, Mrs. Willard? She was very beautiful. Yes, I know. Try and rest. Is there anything I can get for you before I go to bed? No, thank you. Well, go to sleep then. I will. Good night. That's right. Go to sleep. Was that my sister, Mrs. Willard? No, no, Mrs. Foley. It was one of the others. They scream because they remember things. Yes. Yes, I suppose they do. Good night. Good night. I remember things, too. I remember. I remember. Promise me you'll never leave me, Clara. And that whatever I do, you'll do. I promise. Always and forever? Always and forever. I promise. And so closes Tale of Two Sisters, starring Claire Trevor and Nancy Kelly. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. The other day, Elsa Maxwell told us about a friend who had lived many years in wine-loving countries around the world. I gave him some of our delicious Roma California Burgundy at dinner, and he confessed to me that he thought it every bit as enjoyable as any he had ever had. So I say, you people who do not regularly serve Roma wine are missing one of the most delightful treats daily living can offer. It's so good, so smart, and yet so very simple. Take Miss Maxwell's advice. Enjoy Roma wine regularly. It's always good, unvaryingly fine in flavor and quality, and only pennies a glass. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Ladies and gentlemen, next Thursday, same time, you will hear Mr. Lee Bowman as star of Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines. R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. We join with Americans everywhere to salute the Boy Scouts of the world on the occasion of the 35th anniversary celebration of a great movement pledged to the ideals of brotherhood. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
Well, guys, that does it for Miss Claire Trevor and her performance on the show for this evening. Please join me this coming Friday night as I bring to the show Miss Murray Wilson and Kathy Lewis in the CBS comedy show My Friend Irma. And join me next Tuesday night, guys, as I bring to the show the queen of comedy as she chills our spine, Miss Lucille Ball. And stay tuned for next Friday, guys, as I bring to the show Back by Popular Demand. Miss Brooks, starring Miss Eve Arden. And join me in the coming weeks, guys, as it brings such stars as Miss Joan Crawford and Betty Davis in The Feud Part 2. Fibber, McGee, and Molly. And to finish off the month of March and the month for Women's History, the Queen of Suspense herself, Miss Agnes Moorhead. I hope you guys enjoyed Miss Claire Trevor's performance. And stay tuned for those episodes. And always remember, guys, to enjoy the show. Have a great day. Thanks.